8.03 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet's very own, is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. As mentioned, joining us now on the Halford & Bruff Show, it is Ian McIntyre. iMac joins us now. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Morning, fellas. How is a bye week for you guys? You know, it's tough because we actually talked about this in the previous segment. We're going to, the Canucks have given us so much this year, Ian, <laughs> so much content and so many things to discuss. And now we have an entire week where we're going to have to hustle a little bit and grind. But I will say they did give us a parting gift before they all went on their extended all-star game break. We got the Ilya Makayev news and it was pretty significant. It was tough watching the, um, the presser that he had, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, because he was really emotional and he was very much upset. I think at the fact that, you know, his start to his Vancouver career was overshadowed by this and then it was shut down. So I know you wrote quite a, a, a bit, quite about this, um, maybe just what the last 72 hours were like covering that, seeing him score in a game and then learning that he's going to be out for the year and then hearing him talk so emotionally about it. Yeah, it, well, First of all, it, it again is a reminder, and we saw it with Bruce Boudreau. We, we, we get these reminders every now and then about how human these guys are and, and that we often uh, commoditize them. Is that a word? Maybe it is. It is now. Uh, commoditize them and, and treat them as, you know, we always talk about assets, and, and it is a ruthless business, as we also saw with Bruce Boudreau. But at its core, why we love sports is 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 the unpredictability of it, and that it's it's played by by human beings that we can we can relate to in some form. And so I, you know, you couldn't help but feel feel badly uh, for for Mikheyev seeing the anguish that he's in because how much he wants to stay in the fight. Like you'd think the guys would be running from this team if they had a chance halfway through the year. But it shows, you know, what it means to him to to be part of this and have struggled with them, struggled himself to stay in the lineup and wanting and wanting to be part of it. So that was that was my takeaway from that. But I mean, my goodness, what a week for the Cucks. Like it in the end, it, it's just going to blend together that week because you had almost a year's worth of stuff in in one week with from Boudreaux to Tockett uh, to the 14 shot game against Chicago to the soft game against Seattle 24 hours later and then the debate about Kuzmenko with his with his contract and then Mikheyev on, on top of that. I, I don't ever remember a week. It would have been nice for all of us if if the Canucks would have spread that news out <laughs> a little bit, which I suppose they could have done with Mikheyev. They could have saved that for this week. But uh, uh, I, I'm, I need a break after covering, after covering all that. In fact, I needed a break probably a month ago after covering this team this season. So well, imagine happy to, happy, happy to have a couple of days this week, but still have to write. 
imagine the feeling of being the Vancouver Canucks or being in charge of the Vancouver Canucks, whether you're the president of Hockey Ops, you're the general manager, um, one of the higher-ups of the Canucks, and we brought up the phrase siege mentality <laughs> earlier this morning, and sometimes yeah. it feels like the Canucks do have that. Like They feel like they're getting attacked from all sides, and they can get a little defensive sometimes, um, and and like you don't kind of blame them, right? They're like, everything we do right now, we're getting criticized. So did it surprise you that they took the route they did with Mikheyev having him? I'm sure, listen, it was Mikheyev's Twitter account. I'm sure uh, a bunch of people coordinated on that to get the message out that like, and it is unusual that the player went out there and said, I'm not mad at the team, just so everyone knows. Yeah, it was unusual, but it's also unusual uh, that Canucks, circumstance as well and and that they've brought this uh, i think we all understand they've they've largely brought this on themselves for for various uh for various reasons including just losing way too many games but how they've handled different things you know the pearson the the pearson injury the bruce firing and then on the heels of that they have this announcement on mikhayev and uh you know, a lot of people's default reaction now is to say, well, the Canucks, the Canucks screwed up. And, and I can understand why that would be some people's default reaction. But in this case, when it was announced, the coach and the GM and the player himself all made it clear that he, this was his wish to have played. In fact, you know, the emotion from Mikheyev is because he wanted to keep playing. But this this was their wish. Uh, people who have covered sports, people who have played sports, understand that there are injuries like like a, a partial tear of an ACL where you can you can keep going and you manage it and and you know at the end the end the end medical outcome is the same. You're still going to need surgery mm-hmm. to fix it. It's just a matter it's just a matter of when. But I think this is. This is the Canucks world right now that that uh, they've lost confidence from a lot of people in their fan base, and so what whatever they do, and I, you know, I'm trying to think whether that's literal. It might be literally whatever they do now is going to be questioned, and people are going to wonder if if they've screwed up or done the right thing. Well, here's here's a scenario I'm going to throw at you, Ian. Should Bo Horvat be playing games right now? Because the season has gone bad enough, and even though it might be a small chance that he gets injured and that affects his trade value, the chance is still there. Yeah, I think until until they are are down to the short strokes on a trade, a tap in, then I think you have to keep you keep playing them because you know there's if you listen to both sides, they still talk about uh, some faint hope about him resigning and not getting traded, and so I think it's the the reality. This is the risk you you always take if you have a uh, an asset. And there I go, referring to him as an asset. Mm. But you have you have a player of value to other people. Uh, you're always in this dilemma. Well, what if he gets hurt? But mm-hmm. the the reality is, until uh, unless you're you know 
certain he's going to be traded and you're down to the last few days, you, you keep playing him. You can't, you can't, in my opinion, you can't sit him out. Uh, unless there's a trade imminent, you can't sit him out with more than a month to go to the trade deadline. Do you think there's still a chance that they do circle back and re-sign Bo? I think they'll talk about it one more time, but I don't, I don't think it's likely at all. I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily any more likely now than it was two weeks ago, than it was a month ago. I mean, I know a lot of people point out that the Kismenko contract eats up, you know, five and a half million Mm -hmm. that might have otherwise been available for Bo. I I think the sides are just dug in. But I think after all this, believe it or not, I think Bo would still like to, to stay. And as long as as long as the player wants to stay and the team says it wants to keep him, there there's always a chance. But I'd be I'd be really surprised. I was surprised about the JT Miller contract. I'd be I'd be stunned if there's a, a, a similar compromise and breakthrough that happens with Horvat. When do you think we'll see Thatcher Demko again playing for the Canucks? I mean, you might yeah. see him walking around or whatever. Yeah, I have seen him walking around a lot. I saw him on that last road trip to uh, the big road trip to Florida, which made me think, okay, I know what the team is is saying. Late January, usually when a guy's out early and practicing and on a road trip with his teammates, he's he's getting close. But I would go by what did Alvin say? Two or three weeks. So late late February, mid February. I, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see him. It's gonna be. It's going to be very important. Like they're going to be well into garbage time uh, with their season, but it's going to be important because he's such a central question about about this team and and its short term future. Is is he is he going to be the goalie? Is he going to be one of the very few, possibly as few as two or three core pieces that you just say are untouchable and you're going to build again around them or or is he uh another player who's who's in play and and could probably fetch you a a pretty good return and i think some of that will be will be dictated a lot of that will be dictated on his play they need him to be they need to feel like he can be the thatcher damko of last season when he was in at least the vesna discussion didn't get close to winning the Vesna trophy wasn't a finalist but you know was in that discussion as one of the top six or eight goalies in the league I think he needs to be that if if you're going to be a core piece and untouchable then you have to be uh, an elite piece and obviously this season coming back from his injury struggled early on there's a lot of questions about you know how do you get him back to being an elite piece can he be an elite goalie again do you think he is an untouchable with this Canucks management group? Uh, I don't know. I would have said yes, emphatically, at the beginning of the season. But, you know, so much, so much has changed. And, and one of the significant things that's changed that I think gets overlooked just because of all the chaos is, is management's outlook for this team has changed. You know, they've gone from... They've gone from uh, saying the baseline goal for this season, the absolute minimum, is to be a playoff team. And obviously showed 
by their actions last summer how much they believed in this group that finished had finished so well under Bruce Boudreau. They've gone from that to uh, Patrick Alveen in his presser on Friday night. I wouldn't say he scoffed at the idea. I think it was Patrick Johnson who asked him, well, does this mean you know, you're giving up on, and, and I can't remember exactly how Patrick phrased the question, but is, is shutting down Mikheyev an, an indication that this you're now focusing on next season? And he sort of scoffed and, and said, well, we're 27th place, yeah. and our underlying metrics are pretty bad. Uh, so they've got uh, winning and losses, wins and losses don't really matter now. It's all about the process. That's that's a huge, huge change of mindset for management on what they and on what they have here. And we all can debate. Well, is it rebuild? Is it retool? What should it be? But they know that this team has to be drastically different. And so, in that context, whatever they thought last summer is now uh, up for question on whether they've changed their mind. So. Uh, I think I don't think they know if if Thatcher Demko is going to be a core piece, and I suppose if you don't know, then he isn't. But I think they want to see him. That's why it's important for for everyone that Demko gets back at some point and has a good run to try to recover his form. Yeah, and I think all of this is another key reason why Talkett was brought in, and more specifically, the time in which he was brought in. I almost like it. I was talking about this on Friday kind of likened it to getting a second opinion medically if you want to go there because that's obviously been in the news with the Vancouver Canucks but you have your preconceived notions or your ideas of what you think might be going on it's always good to get a, a second or third opinion so in this case it could be Tuckett and Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar all these guys that Rutherford and LV know and trust and I just wonder I wonder what the end game is going to be for Tockett this year because I feel like, yeah, it's going to be about trying to implement some of the things he wants to do as a coach, but I think almost even more importantly is going around the room and looking at this team and saying, uh, he stays, he goes, I can work with him, I can't work with him, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they're, I think they're trying to figure out who they might actually win with. And, and that doesn't mean who's the most talented. It just means – who do they think can can be a piece on, and do the things necessary to be a winning team? And and that's not just a question of talent and ability where you just start at the top of the lineup and say, okay, these three guys stay and everyone else, you know, it's open to open to questions. I mean, I I thought it was an incredibly interesting, fascinating first week for Rick Tockett because. Look at how good and bad the team was in the first two games. And, and granted, look how good and bad the opponents were the first two games, which had a lot to do with it. But then, you know, to, to call your team soft on, on game two, and then to say before game three, basically admit you don't know what you have, and, and then talk about the leadership group as well, uh, I think they're just trying to figure out. I, I, they have, they have in their mind. They and this is from Rutherford Alving down. They have in their mind what it takes to be a winning team, and, and the detail, and what's involved. And I think they're 
now trying to decide who can who can be part of that and who can't. Yeah. And there might be some really good players who they decide can't be part of that because they they're not able to adapt. They're not able to do these things that talk it is is talking about. And, and I know the things like you know back check line change that gets a lot of attention, but it's representative of kind of the selfless detail that is required to be a winning team. What were the three things that that Talkett, you know, said when he when he talked about identity, identity of his team? Are you, is it a smart team? Is, is it uh, is it a selfless team? And are you hard to play against? The, those aren't really questions about can you score? How much talent do you have? How fast are you? It's more it's more elemental than that. And I think the Canucks are going to use from now to the end of the season to apply those very basic but important questions to to all their players and figure out who stays and who goes, who can be part of it and who can't. Hey, IMAC, real quick, um, and I agree with you on all that. They're, they're, this is them trying to find out what's going on. And by the way, that I didn't actually hear Rick Tockett say that, but the smart team? Yeah, that's the big one for me. Like, are they smart enough hockey players? Um, do you have any insider info, or did you dig into what happened between Troy Stetcher and Trevor Zegras on the ice? Because I saw yeah. you tweeting about it, and, you know, it came out afterwards. Craig Morgan reported, who's a Coyotes a reporter, said that Trevor Zegras didn't say anything about Troy Stetcher's dad, but there was something that crossed the line, and we don't normally see Troy Stetcher uh, kind of lose it like he did against. Yeah, the I, I don't, and and of course my, I, I would love to know, like we all do, and I, I briefly, very briefly, thought about reaching out to Troy, but mm-hmm. in the end, it's none of, none of my business, and he's so, he's such a character guy, and and old school. I think he would probably figure this is, maybe that this is nobody's business it's not for the public realm that right. he'll handle it or he wants somebody to handle it but all of us and i'm sure you guys felt the same thing when you saw the video if if you know troy stetcher yeah uh, having covered him and the kind of character and decency that he has for him to be that upset at at something that was just said not mm-hmm. even done just something somebody said it must have been pretty awful and so i I hope whatever it was, the the team and the league, at least look into it, and 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 try to find out. We may we may never know, but it was uh, it was exceptional uh, what we saw. You know, things are said all the time. Players get mad all the time, but that player getting that angry uh, tells me that there there's something to it. Ian, very well said. Very well done. Thank you very much for joining us, as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Maybe a little bit of downtime. We'll do this again next Monday uh, ahead of the Canucks getting back into action. Well, I'll look forward to that. Next Monday, it's hard to believe. Next Monday, I'll be in New York. Right. Getting ready for No, you'll be in Newark. With, you'll be in Newark. With, <laughs> well, uh, I will be for the game. I won't be when I speak to you Monday morning, but it's going to be another first, a Sunday night practice. Wow. In oh, Newark, yeah. New Jersey, to oh, end to end the break. Okay, well, good enjoy- luck on the way home. Yeah, enjoy it all, yeah. Amec. <laughs>
See you guys. Have See a good week. Yep. Uh, Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet's very own here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Do we need to explain the Zegras Stetcher thing to no, the listeners? That I, might think, have... I think most people know by now. Uh, in case you missed it, there's a... You're going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, I feel... Yeah, well, sure. We, sure yeah, people haven't seen it. it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many people... I, I always have a hard time uh, translating Twitter to real life. Mm-hmm. Because something seems like a big deal on Twitter, and then you step outside, and you're like, it's just completely insignificant. No one's paying attention to this. Okay, Uh, There is a video circulating that has an altercation between Anaheim's Trevor Zegers and former Vancouver Canuck, now Arizona Coyotes defenseman, Troy Stetcher. They're involved in a scrum. And as Ian alluded to, Stetcher is furious livid there's a moment where zegris and and stetcher are face to face and something is clearly said and even zegris's teammates you see henrique's face he kind of looks at him like did you just say that and then stetcher goes off it was alleged again on social media with no verification that zegris may have made a remark about stetcher's father who passed away uh craig morgan who as you pointed out from the arizona side of things covering the coyotes for a long time uh, got confirmation from the Coyotes organization right. that what was being alleged was not said. However, Craig Morgan then added, but whatever Zegras did say to Stetcher was highly inappropriate. Stetcher declined to comment. And as IMAC mentioned, he was thinking about reaching out, but also declined to do that as well. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I use the term alleged. Strongly here because it was alleged and then debunked. There was a lot of, well, yeah, there's been a lot of lip reading, amateur lip reading going yeah. on. So, this is on the amateur. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I, but I think it was more than justified to bring up the story because a lot of people, again, on Twitter were weighing in on it and we wanted to try and see if IMAC had heard anything. Uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What we learned are coming up on the other side of the break. Uh, we might do some. Who knows what the dogs have in store? Who knows what Bruff and I have in store? But we're definitely going to do some of yours. This is your chance to be on the radio. Get something in right now. Submit or die. That was a little aggressive. Just submit. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, All you need to do is tell us what you learned over the last 72 hours in sports. Hashtag it WWL. Make it good. We'll read it. It's your chance to be on the radio. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 8.32 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. If you want to hear any part of today's show, including the interview that we just did with Ian McIntyre, iMac, by the way, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota all-star team, visit them at avenuemachinery.ca or douglaslakeequipment.com. If you want to hear that interview or the one we did with Dan Rosen or the one we did with Nick Shook, or the first hour of the program, download the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, Avenue Machinery. I don't think they sell podcasts. Uh, It's all available. Hour three will be up in about a half hour's time. Okay, business is attended to. 
Uh, we should do our what we learns now. Laddie said he had a real good one. Jason wants to do one. A dog just kind of blinked a couple I think it's times, just be so Jason. I don't even know if he knows what we're talking about. Um, I'm gonna start with my what we learned, yeah. and it's going to be I learned that at the Dubai Desert Classic, Rory McIlroy went birdie birdie to win in the 17th and 18th holes uh, to win the title, narrowly defeating Patrick Reed who, of course, was a story for pretty much the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, this all started out with um, T-Gate, yeah. they're calling this, uh, because Patrick Reed allegedly threw a T at Roy McElroy on the driving range when Roy McElroy refused to talk to him. Uh, we a, spoke a about golf tee, not a, a cup golf of tea. tea. Yes. Also um, good. We spoke about this, or we discussed this on the show um, last week. And then... Over the weekend, Patrick Reed was involved in another very Patrick Reedy type incident where people were accusing him of cheating. Again? He hit a drive that ended up in a palm tree because it's the Dubai Desert Classic. Okay. And he used some binoculars. Binos. And he said that he was able to identify his ball in the tree. So... Because he was able to identify the exact ball in the tree, he was able to take relief. If he hadn't been able to do that, he would have had to go back to the tee. Okay. 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 Right. Follow he was on. able to play. Like he was basically. Did say, he get it out of the tree? You're allowed to hit it out of the tree. That nice. is one of your options. Um, Sick. You can do that. He wasn't going to climb. It was quite a tall tree. Mm. Um, and then the people that watched the broadcast, including Brandel Chambly of the Golf Channel, took a closer look at the video. And it sure looks like the ball that Patrick Reed hit actually ended up in a different tree than Patrick Reed was looking up at. So he said he was 100% sure that he was able to identify the ball. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the rules official there was like, okay, well, unplayable lie. You get to play it here. Wait, the only honor system? Yeah, golf is a big part of an honor system. They don't have like a – they don't have like a – a judge that makes a decision, you have to, like, there's referees there, but it's more about helping those guys assess the rules as they see fit. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Reed said, I know how I mark my ball. It had, like, a little arrow on it. I know it was a Pro V1, which okay. everyone plays on the tour pretty much. And he looked up at the tree using the binoculars and be like, there it is. But then again, go watch the video of it. There were three palm trees. He's looking at one, right. but it sure looks like the ball goes in another. So Now, I feel like we should give Patrick Reed the benefit of the doubt because <laughs> he seems like a pretty good dude that doesn't yeah. have a history of cheating. Well, all I know is that I'm glad Rory won the title. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad he went birdie-birdie to win this thing because imagine what the conversation would be if Patrick Reed had won this thing. Right. Like, let's say Rory had gone par-par. And Reed had won the title, and then people would be like, uh, yeah, but what about that really like <laughs> key part of your round where you really should have gone back to the tee? What I need to happen is I need someone to climb all those trees, find the ball that's in the palm trees, and then truly identify the ball. Give us a mukau on this. We're not going to talk anymore. It was a very thorough, detailed breakdown. Because I didn't really understand what exactly had happened. Like, I read it, and I'm like, I still don't get it. Can you imagine so if hockey th- was refereed like that? Hey, Tom Wilson, do you give that guy a headshot? No. 
No. No. no. It was not my, it was uh, not isn't, my intent. Isn't, isn't ultimate ref like that? Isn't it mm. on the honor system? Yes. Might be. Ultimate. You're right. There's no referees. Frisbee as the as the ultimate people. They don't like it. They don't like it when you call it hear it. And then pickleball where you just make up rules apparently. Why doesn't ultimate like to be called Frisbee? Because uh, it's a disc. It's a disc. Frisbee is a it's brand a name. Frisbee yeah. is a brand. Come on. Yeah. It's like, do you call uh, tissues Kleenex or tissues? Kleenex. Kleenex is the brand. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I still call them Kleenex. Yeah, but it's not. They're Am tissues. I insulting big tissue by doing that? Yeah. No, you're, in, you're oddly enough insulting ultimate players. <laughs> they don't like that either. <laughs> it it's weird. The only thing softer. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're in unbelievable shape. I, know, I could never I play that. Uh, but yeah, that's on the other. Do you, are you alluding to the pickleball video that went viral over yes, the weekend? Yes, I am. That was bizarre. Did I don't know this? even how to explain you it. You play pickleball. Maybe you can explain it better. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Split stepping? Like what? What? He, like, basically, one of the male competitors stepped too aggressively <laughs> during a point. He stepped too aggressively where? During like the match. Forward. Yeah. I <laughs> Put it this way. I watched the video four times. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I have no idea what he got penalized for. Did it have for. anything to do with being in the kitchen? Because you don't want to be in the kitchen in pickleball. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. I don't know any of this. Yeah. And then all the caption said. Too aggressive in like, his dinking. All, <laughs> it said, what? yeah. All dinking the, is a thing. Aggressive dinking. You, you dink in the kitchen. No, you don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not going to Google kitchen. it. I'm, I'm, that's not, not something I'm going to Google. But you can't I'll do it on a work computer. I tried. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The people that made up pickleball were actually just like, let's make a bunch of phrases that are going to make everyone well, laugh the, at The us. best part was was the caption over top of it was like, yep, definitely a real sport. <laughs> was this sport, do you think they invented the sport sober, or were they all just completely gone when they brought, brought up pickleball? You know what have, we got to do? I, you know. Because nothing about it makes sense to me. But this, okay. You couldn't have made this sport As much as sober. I don't want to get into the pickleball discourse, I'll say this. At a certain point, it was fine. As like a sort of fun recreational activity for people that wanted to still play tennis but didn't have the physical abilities to do it. But then, like everything in this world, it quickly got too big, too fast. And then Tom Brady was like, can I take some of my crypto money and put it in pickleball? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I don't have any of my crypto <laughs> yeah. money anymore. Ah, my crypto money's gone. Good thing this pickleball thing will That last. was five minutes later. Like, honestly, there was two dueling upstart pickleball leagues within like 10 minutes of the sport being invented. This is just the way that we do things now. What has a brighter future, pickleball or crypto? Pickleball, because it's real. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. What is a Text in your comments with yeah. the Dumbar Lumber text line yeah. at 650, 650. Is pickleball also a pyramid scheme? Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's boy. right. Oh, boy. Uh, let's go into the Dumbar Lumber text line right now. This, this is, I'm surprised this wasn't your, what we learned, laddie. Like you had something about the Cy Young trophy being misspelled or whatever. Well, he told us and I was like, okay, okay. Now you got to do it. What was your, what we learned? Well, you just said it. They misspelled on the Cy Young trophy. (laughs) What did they misspell? Well, they changed it. It used to be most outstanding pitcher. They changed the wording to most valuable pitcher. And they spelled valuable incorrectly. They forgot the A. It just says most valuable pitcher. Well, this is the last time Brad Marchand is going to be responsible (laughs) for doing the engraving on the side. It was spelled V-A-L-U-B-L-E. On the plaque, in their hands, that they delivered to. So think of the process. Think of the process. Somebody had to edit and put the word valuable in there. Somebody had to make it, yeah. and then somebody had to deliver it to the players, and mm. nobody on that line of the chain realized that valuable was spelt incorrectly. And you know what the funny thing is? None of the players noticed either. No. <laughs> they all posted the photo, so <laughs> what, yeah. What do, you, what do you mean it's misspelled? <laughs> Look, it's valuable. Valuable. <laughs> it's what's to the right there. It's valuable. It works. Okay, Mukha. All right. 
this is the one that I thought that you were going to do, uh, what we learned. Uh, unsigned text. Another e-bug got his day mm. and finished the game with a perfect save percentage. Yeah, yeah this happened in Edmonton. And I, it was cool. Okay. Who was that guy? Woodcroft might be in trouble. I was watching the game, and granted, I had a few at that point. The first thing about oh, if you're still watching the game, it was like <laughs> yeah, seven, seven three, three Oilers, wasn't it? And I, I remember thinking, I'm like, if I'm the Blackhawks right now, oh, yeah. am I kind of being disrespected? Totally being disrespected. <laughs> well, they used the they used Scott Foster a couple years back, so they they had an e-bug play. Yeah, but they needed but they to. Needed they to. needed to. The That's Oilers the thing that might get Woodcroft that... in trouble because apparently the rule, as it's written, yeah, the goalies no, need to be hurt for no that e-bug to come in. No. So, and apparently it was McDavid's idea. But if I was Woodcroft, I'd be like. <laughs> I don't care what the rules say about the U-Buck. This guy's playing. Like That's <laughs> awesome. What an experience that. And no, the, it's and a that, great experience. And, Chica- and the Blackhawks couldn't complain about it, right? You can't just be like, I'm pretty upset about this guy getting to live his dream. He made one save. In he did minutes. make one Come save. On. That's no. cool that he made one save, too. Yeah. No, like it was from that side of it. I don't want to take away from it being like a cool story. I just, the first thing that came into my head was like, this is like a huge diss to Chicago. <laughs> he's not some. He's not some schlub. He played in the WHL. He played U Sports. It's mm-hmm. not some rando from the beer league. It kind of is a rando from the beer league. It's though. a rando, but <laughs> yeah. he, he play. it's a rando that's that actually, can play. That's Greg, actually, is this, that's is this your ultimate fantasy? Is this your oh ultimate fantasy? Like, e-bug fantasy? Even, a, even a practice in the NHL would be yeah. a dream come true. You got to be in the conversation for Ebug, can't? You? No, 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 definitely not. You, I, no. I think Woodley would even rank higher than I would because he's at least at the rink most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Woodley's old. Can you, imagine, can you yeah. imagine the post-game interview that Woodley would do? He'd be like, hey, man, we got to get to press. Can you wrap it up here? <laughs> How's your <laughs> article coming along, Kev? Yeah, yeah. And then he's like <laughs> 15 minutes on how he went reverse VH. I'm like, I can't. He's going to do a pro read with himself? Just, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his article is him hey, interviewing himself. Kev, just say it was a dream come true. All right? All right. <laughs> uh, what we learned on Somebody pinch me. Uh, it must be a dream. Uh, what we learned when Rutherford stated the Canucks needed major surgery, he was not referring to the roster, just Ilya Mikheyev. Okay, very good. Uh, Mario, I just got it. Uh, Mario and Richmond, what we learned. He tore his ACL. He needs surgery on it. Thank you. Mario and Richmond. Anything else? It requires, Is it major? You have to go under the knife. It's surgery. What we learned, don't hit a quarterback when both of his feet are already out of bounds, particularly when a potential Super Bowl berth is on the that line. Sucks. Just dumb. Yeah, but it was dumb. It was it was There was nothing you could say dumb. about him. There's nothing you could say about yeah. him. He said afterwards he was like Joseph Osai. He was very yeah. upset. He was like, That's a learning experience for me. <laughs> Why'd you have to shove him? A big Why'd learning you have to experience. Shove him? Um that went from a sixty yard field goal attempt to a forty five. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean I, I'm going to say, I'm going to be bold take Halford here. He was not going to hit that field goal unless he got 15 yards close. And everyone said, as soon as it happened, I don't he's know if you guys were watching it, it live, but everyone in the room was like, that, he's going to get dinged for that, and sure enough. Yeah. Brad and Cloverdale, what we learned, I learned that San Fran had four quarterbacks and it still wasn't enough. What a remarkable season for the 49ers. Uh, I do not care for the 49ers because I'm a Seahawks fan, but – I can't deny that I was captivated right from the very start with their entire quarterback story because, first of all, it was the big debate over should they be handing the keys to Trey Lance, and then, like, two games into the season, it was, well, thank God they kept Jimmy G around. Yep. And then it was, can Jimmy G, like, prove the doubters or prove even the 49ers wrong and and get the 49ers to another Super Bowl and this time win it? And then – 
he went down, and then it was, who is Brock Purdy? Right? And then Brock Purdy gets hurt in the title game. Josh Johnson (laughs) came in, and like, God bless the guy. That's a terrible situation to be put in, but he looked completely overwhelmed. Like, not just sort of overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed. You know he's been in the NFL for 15 years? Yeah, I didn't know he was still in the NFL. He just kind of like, hung around yeah, for forever. Crazy. I mean, and I'm not really sure why, because it doesn't look like he does a good job of it. But I digress. Well, that's probably what a fourth string quarterback looks like. You know who they played in front of him? It was the last draft pick <laughs> in true. the draft. That's true. That's very true. Uh, goal uh, oh. game, Gary. What we learned: I had a better chance of winning my 12 game parlay than the 49ers did against the Eagles. Yeah, especially after Purdy got hurt. And it was over. It was it was it was over when you, you know, and then it was really over when Josh Johnson got hurt. It was that was done. I, I hate felt, to laugh, but I mean, no, it was cr- it's crazy. It, I, right? I said it earlier. At times, it felt like an exhibition because it was so so bizarre and so absurd that they had Christian McCaffrey taking direct snaps. They were doing like the double pitch lateral just to try and get something going. Uh, speaking of parlays. I don't like to like. I'm, I'm not trying to brag or like tat like. Oh, pat you're trying to brag. That's fine. No, no, no. He's going to brag here, folks. I, I did. I'm not a, trying to brag. Here comes the brag. Yeah, that's what someone that was going to brag would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I so two weeks ago I did a parlay, the four team parlay. Yeah, in you, the divisional you, round, you nailed it. Yeah, and then on Cause Friday because you, your key one also was that uh, you picked Cincinnati over Buffalo. Yeah, and then uh, on Friday when you decided not to show up to work, uh, <laughs> I did another one. And I jokingly said, like, uh, the best gambling advice is when you hit on something, go right back Just to it. Keep going. It, I did it. I did hit the parlay again. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went Eagles-Chiefs, which wasn't all that bold. Wow, courageous. Chalky, right? Hey, take both home teams. Mm-hmm. But uh, So that's six in a row now on the money line. Wow. Am I a gambling god? No, because the only one that you've actually hit that was like an upset was the Cincy one. Yeah, but I got all six. On the yeah, money no, I know. Line. On the money I know. line. Not even picking against no. the spread. I mean, that's good. Yeah, it's all right. I just I wanted mean, to bring good. it up. It's perfect. Six for six. It's yeah. good. But I think like it would be more impressive if you'd picked like five ups. I can only pick the winners, though. No, I know. That's what I do. That's what, that's what they're like. You can, only, you can only win the games on your schedule. <laughs> I'm a winner. I identify other winners. I got one here. Basketball Phil. I saw this on the weekend. They did a soft launch. Hashtag WWO. What we learned, courtside bar is open. A basketball bar in Vancouver. Hell yes, that's basketball. Phil with the hell yes, but I agree. Does he have yes. a reserved seat there? I don't know. I saw uh, pictures from the inside. They did a soft launch on Saturday. They're at uh, they're in Mount Pleasant, like Main and Broadway area. Uh, what a cool looking bar, man! Like I, this is really all out. Tons of jerseys. Looks like tons of different games and stuff. And they are like a hundred percent fully dedicated to being a basketball bar. I think we have to go there for March Madness. This sure, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. You yeah, guys want to go? Fun. Yes, let's do yeah. it. Can you do make you know, a rezzo? Do you know what March Madness is? I've heard of it. Yeah, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Andy gets it. Do you know what I was uh, was realizing um, when I saw LeBron arguing over that call? Yep. I have not paid attention at all to the NBA this We've been season. light on NBA. We haven't had a single NBA guest since the season started. Um, but. Well, like, how's it been? How's how's the NBA? It's good, been? yeah, they got good. The balls are like bouncing still. And, yeah, we haven't had some, Fitzy on a couple times. Some, I guess some, we've had. Marcus yeah, we have. Fitzgerald. We had Fitzy on when, when Nash got fired. fired. Yeah, and I think maybe for one other thing, I can't remember what. Has uh, it been? A, has it been a compelling season though? Yeah, yeah. Not really. Not really. No, it's been hard to focus on anything else because, like mm. I said, the Canucks have given us stuff 
Right. Week after week after week after week. Yeah. Right? That day we came in and we're And the like, Raptors are kind of a non-entity. Like, they're going to be selling at the trade deadline. Raptors yeah. have been very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, the LeBron Lakers saga has been kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, other than, I mean, uh, Luca's playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Doncic has been great. Celtics are good. Celtics are good. Yeah. I mean, we usually don't really pick up the basketball talk until March anyway. We kind of right. get into March Madness and then mm-hmm. closer to the NBA playoffs. Are the Nets still doing well? Durant hurt. Durant's hurt. He's out. This is a good update for all the NBA fans. Is is, is that uh, Durant hurt? Someone reminded us we had a guy on for the Kyrie stuff. We did have a guy on mm. for the Kyrie stuff. I think we actually, I think it was Joe Varden, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But yeah, we haven't done a ton. Uh, but now that this basketball bar is in town, we're going to do a lot more. Ryan and Yaletown, what we learned, if the Canucks could play hockey the way they produce a pregame video and light show, they would be 82-0. and 0. Great night. Thanks for the tickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, p- for people that say we're always negative about the Canucks, We've been actually quite positive about their game presentation. Oh, it's awesome! Top show. That's taken the that's taken so the uh, the most steps organizationally. Yeah, like their game presentation has gone from I would say quite mediocre to maybe even to maybe below average to amazing. Like, yeah, I, it was a, I think success, it, a successful rebuild for I, the game presentation. For the game presentation, yeah. they were yeah. patient. They, they do a really good job. Term. Yeah, and it's one of the things that I think they felt that they needed to up their game because. When your team isn't all that good on the ice, like you have to give people reason to come to the games and still be like, you know what? I had a good time. The Canucks didn't play that well. Yeah. They lost, and the Canucks have lost plenty of times at Rogers Arena. But most of the time, people are still having a good time. And part of that is the presentation. Like it's, hey. it's entertaining. It keeps you interested. It keeps you entertained. Hey, we've talked about it a lot. There's still a lot of people showing up to games. Mm-hmm. 98.7% capacity, over 18,000 a night. A lot of people that are still having fun at those games. Drinking their $25 beers, $11, right. $11 nachos. That's all part of it, right? I think a lot of people at this point have realized that the ones banging their fists on the glass and their heads against the wall that want to see a particular direction don't necessarily translate to the ones that are going, just have a good time on a Saturday night. Uh, here's one, Laddie, I'm going to need you to verify because you're decked out in more Blue Jays gear. Hashtag WW what we learned unsigned from Gary. The Blue Jays are getting their own joke stadium to join the rest of the AL East. The new outfield dimensions will bring right center field in by 20 feet. Dalton Varsho is going to have a fun year. I'll put it that way. So did they sign Varsho, or sorry, trade for Varsho, and they're like, now we need to tailor the fence for his hitting exploit. I believe the plans were already in place. But oh. it doesn't hurt to bring in somebody that can crush to right field like that. Yeah. And you look at his spray chart, and it's locked to right field. So, yeah, it's going to be different for the pitchers. So I don't know if Kevin Gossman's going to like it so much. This but. is in order to facilitate the new bar that they're putting in there? Well, they've done a lot of work to the outfield. They've <laughs> they've raised the bullpens. We've got to bring see. the wall in. We're putting the bar. <laughs> yeah. And, well, they've added, like, three different decks that it are does essentially bars. It, yeah. do, it does look like it's going to be a lot of it's fun. It's going to be a blast. I, I would have no interest in sitting anywhere else except the any bar. of those well, look party at, areas. Look at, look at the Seattle Mariners. Right? The, yeah. the biggest the part of the stadium is the outfield center field where there's mm. the party well, area. when am I going to sit in a seat and watch baseball? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> how long is this? <laughs> I realize awful. how boring this game is. Uh, from Rager, what we learned is a year ago, it would have been unimaginable that Demko would be traded on his current contract, but with more and more reports, mostly from Friedman, of a Demko trade talks picking up, it's hard not to be excited about a return for him. Yeah, I still um, – I'm trying to wrap my head around these talks. 
I don't know if that was just Freege throwing out names. Like maybe they're going to look at trading. Like because I think I think the the general consensus is there going to be a lot of player movement this off season. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. We said that last off season, and then it didn't happen. Um, Pedersen seems untouchable, but there was that report, and it might have been from Freege that Pedersen is. The only untouchable, and we actually talked about, oh, what's going on with Quinn Hughes? Have they kind of soured on him? Or maybe they don't feel like he's one of the building blocks. That talk has gone away, and the Thatcher-Demko talk has taken over. And then when Rick Dollywall said the Canucks are getting calls on Thatcher-Demko, I don't know why they'd be getting those calls. Are they getting calls because they've put his name out there, or are they getting calls just because people are calling about any Canuck right now because they see there might be a bit of a sale going on this offseason. What's Demko, hypothetically speaking, what's Demko getting you in return in a trade? I think quite a lot. Pretty good package yeah, with that I contract. So, yeah. I, know, oh, I, know, yeah. okay. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to downplay it or anything. I know goalies. Um, Georgiev got yeah. three picks. Yeah. They don't have the same market as you know a center or a defenseman, but. A proven guy with a good deal. A guy like Thatcher Demko would, would definitely be valuable on the trade market. Yeah. Okay. So we've been told that we are um, we need to get out earlier. So why don't we get out extra early today? Sounds good to me, my friend. We gotta go for today, but we will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Helper and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.